he dropped right near his car and um, you know, unbeknownst to me, I needed a defib to get him back. Welcome to HPG Engage, the podcast. On our podcast, we will give you insight into the minds and professional experiences of thought leaders across healthcare in Australia. For everyone listening with us on the HPG Engage podcast, today we're speaking with Guy Leach, who is nothing short of a defibrillator ambassador. He began Heart 180, a company prominent in raising awareness for cardiac arrest across Australia and the distribution of defibs. Before Guy set upon looking after the nation's hearts, he was the first ever professional Ironman in 1984, a 46-kilometre endurance test of running, swimming and paddling. Ten years later, he retired from the sport, having never lost an Ironman, a feat no other Ironman can claim. You may also recognise Guy from his appearance in Australian Celebrity Survivor in 2006. He now leads the way as a voice of health and fitness across Australia and is pioneering the distribution and use of defibs and the awareness of cardiac arrest. We're here today to talk to Guy about why he started Heart 180, what his motivations are, some of the challenges he's facing and delve a little bit deeper into why it's such an important topic for people in Australia to think about. Okay guys, so um, the goal for Heart 180 is to get a defibrillator within 180 seconds of every Australian. In your opinion, what would it take for that to be a possibility? It would take a long time. It, uh, look, it's a lofty goal. It's one that you, know, you, 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 you sort of say, well, what, why is it 180 seconds to a start? And 180 seconds is that perfect time slot to get to someone that's heart's stopped they're unconscious and get the pads from a defibrillator on the person to give them a shock to uh, to get them back to life. So that sort of window is your, is your perfect uh, allotment. The problem here in Australia is that A, there's no, there's not many defibs. Um, B, that we're in a big country, a lot of land and people are spread out over, over the continent. And, you know, we're starting from a, like a, a low base. There's not a lot of defibs out there. So look, it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, but you know what, you, you want to shoot for the stars and any improvement that we've, from what we've got right now is uh, heading in the right direction. And you mentioned that there's not many defibrillators, so is accessibility an issue in Australia? I think awareness is the, is the issue. I mean, for me, my, my backstory is that, uh, you know, just over four years ago, I come from a fitness base background I was a professional athlete and having retired I got into training other people and we were training a group down at Manly um, out in the harbour paddling we we came in from the session and one of the boys in the, the paddling group actually had a cardiac arrest he um, he dropped right near his car and uh, you know unbeknownst to me I needed a defib to get him back and I started CPR I did all the things I learnt as a surf lifesaver back uh, when I was in the Sir Club down at Manly, but uh, that wasn't enough. So we rang triple O, ambulance took 13 minutes to turn up. Um, I pumped his chest, did CPR correctly, but uh, his heart was never gonna restart because I, I couldn't give him a shock and I didn't know this. So I learned all this after the fact. So I learned that in Australia, uh, nearly 100 people 
today are going to die from an electrical issue with their heart. I didn't know that that was the biggest killer in the country and I didn't know that a defib was easy to use, was um, at a low price point and that you didn't have to be a doctor to use it. So this was all a shock for me after the fact of losing my mate. So when you start talking about where the biggest challenges are, well, the biggest challenges are the fact that people don't know this. So 99.9% .9 of the population don't know the things I've just told you. How much of a responsibility do you think governing bodies have to making positive changes, such as raising that awareness and the better accessibility of defibrillators? Well, it's, look, I think it's probably the biggest concern moving forward, and I say that because the cost on the population of people dying is the highest compared to anything else. You know, you've got the single biggest killer in this country, so it's not cancer that, that kills the most amount of Australians. It's not car accidents. I mean, we're, you know, we're, we've, we've got issues with the coronavirus at the moment and the media are banging on about that. Um, you know, we're losing nearly 100 people today, kids, teenagers, fit 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds right up from an electrical issue with a heart. And if we had more defibs out there and people trained more, we're not going to lose that number. So I think it's the single biggest issue that the government should be addressing right now. And I think now would be a really good time to explain what exactly is a cardiac arrest and what's the difference between that and a, and a heart attack, for example. So I, I explain it very simply in that a heart attack is a plumbing issue with the body. So blockages in your plumbing, in your arteries, causes a heart attack. Now, a cardiac arrest is an electrical issue with the heart. So it's a different system in the body. Um, and the only way to fix an electrical issue with the heart is to give it an electric shock. So the triple O call pumping the chest doing CPR will not get someone who's had a cardiac arrest where their heart is quivering, not pumping, back to doing this, pumping. The issue also is that the fact that if you have a plumbing issue with your heart, it can then tip into being an electrical issue. So it can roll over to being that as well. So it can start off as plumbing, which CPR can sort out, but as soon as it delves into that electrical issue again, has to be a defib that gets them back. So the fact that there's probably about 100,000 devices around the country, we think, and we've got a 6% survival rate on the streets of Australia, so outside of a hospital, you know, you can imagine how many more defibs we need and how much more training we need for people to have to get that number up. I think that's a really good way um, to describe the difference between the two. It's really, you can really visualise that. I can't do it any other way. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so I, you know, it's like for me, it's just, it's as simple as that. I mean, the, the, the offset, the offshoot to this is that, you know, people listening will say, oh yeah, but, but you'll need to be really trained up to use a defib. Literally, this thing is that big and there's one button and you press it and it starts talking to you and it t tells you what to do. My 13-year-old daughter could use a defib, get the pads on a patient and, and, and let it do its thing. It will shock someone if it needs to shock. It won't. It will tell you how to do CPR. One of the devices we've got is that intuitive that when you're actually pumping on the chest, it'll say to you, no, no, push deeper, push deeper, push, no, push quicker. So on every press, it's giving feedback, telling you what to do. It's unbelievable. So, you know, to save someone's life is not that hard and so you don't need to be trained up no to do it. No one should be scared of a defibrillator. In fact, you, you, to the point where 
we, we actually build an online course that takes 15 minutes to do. So every, you know, downstairs where we ship out defibs every day, we give online training with all the devices. So a, a company with 50 staff can all do the course and people come off the back of doing that 15 minute online course. And the first response is, oh, I could do that. I, I get it. And they're empowered to be able to go and act. And um, you know, every month now we get someone come back to us saying, oh, your defib that, you, that we got into, your, into the business or the sporting group, oh yeah, that was used on someone in our, in our building and, oh, and it got the person back and you know, that training was great and it, it all worked. So you know, the, it, it's proof in the pudding, it really is. Who's most at risk of cardiac arrest? That's a good question. So anyone, so it's not like, it's not like um, heart attack where you would consider someone who's older and has got more damage with their arteries are more at risk of something going wrong. With the electrical part of the brain um, to the heart, it doesn't discriminate between someone who's young, fit, older or unfit. So today, as an example, we're going to have someone under the age of 10 unfortunately die from an electrical issue with the heart and a defib not being close in a school at playgrounds, at sporting, you know, sporting oval, those sort of things, right through to the elderly. So it's sort of, it's one of those ones where it just uh, it hits everyone, yeah. The survival rate for cardiac arrest outside hospital is just 12%, a shockingly low statistic. You know, I was, I was really shocked to read that. Um, what do you think it's gonna take for the nation to sit up and listen? Was well, actually, it, it, depending on where you, where you read, I mean, we've, we've got as low as 4%, some people say. So we, we sort of think it's under 10 um, because the stats don't take into consideration that if you um, get to the hospital and you, you die in the hospital, that doesn't count as being out on the streets because they get you to the hospital. So uh, either way, the, it's, it's a damning, it's a damning number. Um, the problem is with cardiac arrest, it's all about time. Um, and so people need to understand that, you know, ringing triple O, the average call out time for an ambulance that, you know, are overworked and they're doing lots out there. They're about 13 minutes getting to you in a CBD area around that sort of metro area. And with a cardiac arrest, the first 180 seconds is critical getting the pads on the patient. So if you do that, and do CPR and get the pads on the patient in that time slot, over a 70% chance of surviving a cardiac arrest. Every minute after that, 10% less chance of surviving. So if you do the maths off that and you get out to 13 minutes when the ambulance turns up, they can't get you back. So the heart works off the fact that if it's an electrical issue and it's quivering and not pumping, Every minute after a certain period of time, it's just less chance of, of being effective with the shock on the heart. So when the ambos turn up with a defib, it's, it's literally like they go through the process and they can't get the person back. Um, so time's really important. So what is, it, what is it gonna take for people to stand up? I just think more people like me banging on about it. Um, more famous people that have got a profile, you know, dying or being brought back like Greg Page of the Yellow Wiggle the other day. You know, he dropped on stage with the Wiggles doing a performance, mic'd up, raising money for the bushfire pill. You know, and the, the poor bugger felt crook, stumbled off stage and dropped dead. 
Now, someone in the audience was a nurse, ran up, did CPR. There was a defibrillator in the building. They got the defib on him in that period of time and got him back before the ambo turned up. So stories like that, where you're getting this, this, this limelight on an incident where we can talk about it, is going to help um, turn this thing around. But literally, I think it's a five to 10 year program. I really do. I don't think that we can turn this thing around that quick. And the reason I say that is because Seattle is the, the gold medalist for getting people back from sudden cardiac arrest in their town. So if you go back, the, the company that invented the defibs were based out of Seattle nearly 80 years ago. So they came up with the first defibrillator. So in their town, they are like unbelievable with educating people to use them. They're in every building, they're in, in businesses, restaurants, on the side of the road, you name it. So if someone drops in Seattle, people A, know what to do and B, there's a defib close. So the survival rate over there is 63% outside of hospitals. And here we're talking, you know, anywhere from sort of six to 12% uh, survival rate. So we know what we need to do. We know that that is the holy grail and we can get up to that. And when you start talking about over 30,000 people dying here in Australia a year, if we can get up to their number, then we're saving up to nearly 20,000 people that don't need to die. So we know what the actual pathway is to get to where we need to get to, but there have been 50, 60 years in that process to getting to where they are now. So, you know, I can't turn this thing around in, in a day. It's gonna take time. And then going back to that Seattle case study, is there specific laws that they have in place there that help the distribution and people having to have them or a certain amount of people within a building, you know, is there any kind of, if, if you were going to implement a couple of key guidelines for Australia that could really make an impact over the next, say, three to five years, what would they be? So we know that the, the biggest killers or the areas where the biggest killers are um, gyms, uh, sporting grounds, um, businesses, in car parks. So we know that from data that's out there. Um, we supply a lot of gyms, as an example. Um, we're exclusive suppliers to Anytime Fitness, to a number of the big, big chains. And the big chains have criteria in their own bylaws where they say you can't open up a gym unless there's a defib on the wall and the trainers are trained up on knowing how to use it. So they get deaths in, the, oh, they get people um, dropping from cardiac arrest in their gyms and they get them back. Problem is other gyms don't have it. So that's the first thing I do is say that blanket rule, all gyms have to have defibs. I'd say the same thing for schools because kids die as well. Um, and, then, and then when you start talking about businesses, businesses over a certain amount of uh, staff levels should have to have defibs. And then I go into like the insurances. So insurance companies should lower premiums for businesses that have defibs. You know, so, but none of that is in place yet. It will happen, 100% will happen because too many people are dying um, for it not to happen. But as I said, I think it's a five to 10 year program. It's one of those ones where in a decade's time, people will look back and go, oh, can you believe there weren't defibs out there? to the point now where we sell into homes. So we have individuals say, you know what? My partner 
dropped and just by sheer chance the ambulance was two, two minutes around the corner and, and, and she survived as an example. I want a defib for my home. So we're getting now streets where a street will all pitch in the homes for a defib, might cost them 50, 60 bucks each home. They will then go and put that defib in the middle house in the street, accessible to the, the residents. People will come and train them up on how to use it. And that's their way of protecting their, their neighbourhood. So that's starting to happen as well, yeah. So cardiac arrests kill more Aussies in a day than fire does in a year is, is a stat that I've, I've got from your website. I, I like quoting that one. <laughs> yeah. um, so it really is about re-educating the nation. Um, you know, a defibrillator is just as much place in your home as a smoke alarm. Uh, again, quoted from your website, which really did, did stick with me. Um, why do you think there is such a big disconnect between the risks of fire and the risks of cardiac arrest? Well, firstly, people don't know that stat. But, you know, until you read it, you're like, really? You just don't, you don't know it. Second one is five years ago, a defib would have cost you seven or eight thousand dollars to buy one. And the technology in it wouldn't have been as user friendly as it is now. So, you know, it's only in recent times that we've got a little device that costs between two to two and a half thousand dollars that you hit one button, it talks you through everything to do and it's super simple to use. So it's only now that this is starting to happen. Um, you know, so we're just, it's all about education and awareness. So doing interviews like this and getting out to a lot of people is all part of that program to, um, to change where we're at. But the good news is that we get approached by schools every week, gyms. We get approached by businesses, people at home, wanting to know more about defibs and wanting to get them. So it, we're on the turn. With this, the technology is only going to get better. Pricing will drop down further as time goes on and they're going to become more accessible because of it. Yeah. And I mean, that's really interesting to think about, you know, if you're a, a business owner or, you know, a gym, any, any kind of business with, you know, people that you're re essentially responsible for, for two, two and a half grand, you can rest easy that should something happen, you've equipped yourself. Yeah. You know, the thing is, like, so we get, as an example, you know, with the gyms, we get gyms that ring up and say, we want to get a defib. Um, I had one today ring up. Anytime fitness on the Northern Beaches here, they're just about to open up and they have to get it in before they open the doors as part of their laws. But we've had other gyms ring up saying, oh, you, you wouldn't believe it. We had someone drop a 43-year-old on the treadmill, drop during peak time, six o'clock at night, and he died. Now, you know, the impact on that is we've lost a life. A family is shattered. There's 50 people in the room that all witness the whole thing. And then the personal trainer who's actually trained up to go and save this person hasn't got the device to go and do it and they're trained up to be able to go and use it. It's a disaster, isn't it? The, owner, the owners will suffer mental problems from it. People in the gym will get affected watching and not being able to do anything. And it's, it, so, you know, it, we, what we're talking about is not much cost to, to, turn, to, to make a better situation. And, and I'm not saying that getting a defib means that anyone that drops is going to be saved. The, you know, we're talking about with good CPR and a defib on the patient within that 180 seconds, up to 90% chance if you do good CPR as well. But there's still people that don't make it. 
But if you dropped and I did everything I could to get you back and I couldn't do anything more, I'll sleep better at night than not having a defib and not being able to do anything at all. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, yeah. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about um, the accessibility across Australia. Um, so for every 20 defibrillators sold, Heart 180 give away a defibrillator to a community who need it most in rural Australia. So tell me a little bit about the need in rural Australia and, and what's most critical there? Time's the most critical factor there. <clears throat> so you ring an ambulance in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> They're not going to turn up in 13 minutes. You know, they could be 40 minutes or, or more. Like we've had those cases of 30 minutes plus around this area where the ambulance is in a life and death situation somewhere else. They can't get to you. It's about priority and they can't leave someone that's, that's dying uh, to get to you. So out in the middle of Australia, it's worse again. So, we, you know, we identify the fact that, you know, they need help and, you know, we, 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 do, we do everything we can to get more out there. So the more that people buy, the more opportunity we have to get more out into areas where, you know, they're, they're they're needed, you know, it's critical, it really is. Um, you must hear some, uh, lots of stories, as you've mentioned, about cardiac arrest and the use of defibrillators. What, what kind of sticks with you as some of the most inspiring? Oh, we had a good one last, um, yeah, three weeks ago. Uh, so where we are right now, there's a golf club down on the, um, on the northern beaches. <clears throat> and, you know, one of the devices that, um, that we, we sold um, there was a fella playing the sixth hole. He went up to putt, hits the deck, not breathing, unconscious. And the group behind, you know, 150, 200 metres, one of the, the lads there sees the guy drop. He's in the local surf club. He's done his first aid through the surf club, sprints up, gets up to him, starts CPR. The greenkeeper rushes over. They bring the defib out and the guy gets brought back yeah, on the on the third shock, um, on the green of the golf, the local golf club, and and we find out later the guy's fine. He can play golf again in a, in another month's time. No no damage to his heart, uh, long term, and and no mental uh, no brain problems. So it's and, and then I got to interview. I met the the rescuer, the guy that saved the guy, um, you know, and and got to chat and interview him. And so th they're all the fun things that. That, that come with what I'm doing. Um, one of the, the great stories, a couple, like about a year and a half ago, 21-year-old girl up at Noosa in Queensland on the rowing machine. She only just joined that gym from somewhere else. She has a cardiac arrest on the rowing machine. The monitor in the gym covers the whole thing in real time. You see her drop, right? the, the, the personal trainer Spots her on the ground, runs over, starts CPR, gets a defib on her, gets her back before the ambulances turn up. I've met the girl, she's fine. Back in the gym training, personal trainer, he's a hero. Meet him, get to hang out with him. Um, just awesome. So yeah, you, you get some really inspiring stories. When you get to actually put a face to the, the situation and meet these people and just how, how thankful the people that you know, that drop and then get brought back. And when they get to meet the person that saved their life, there's nothing better. I mean, to, to, to meet someone that can put their hand up and say, I saved that person's life and give them a second chance, 
It's just awesome. It really is, yeah. I mean, I've definitely learned a lot, um, you know, researching for this podcast and, and chatting to you today, that there is such a difference between heart attacks and heart health and a cardiac arrest. Mm. It's two, three completely different things. Totally. You know, and, and the obvious thing for me is that a cardiac arrest can happen to anyone. Everyone's at risk. Um, are there other really key kind of points about either cardiac arrest arrest or defibrillators that you really want to hit home? Uh, getting, getting checked up. You know, I think the biggest, you can go back a step with this. We're talking about, you know, when shit goes down and you need a defib and you want someone to act and, and feel empowered to be able to go and do something. <clears throat> um, but you know what, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of sense in getting checked up, going to a doctor, getting a referral to see a cardiologist and going through the process. You know what, the thing is, it, it, you know, you, if you're a parent, you'd be doing that for your kid. Just because you don't know when they're born if they've got some sort of defect that could um, spiral out of control when they get older, when they're 16 year old, 20 year old. So just to know and to tick it off is, is such a big thing. And unfortunately here in Australia, the first time you really think about going through the process of getting checked up is when you hit 50 years of age. Um, because the government sends out you know, forms for you to go and get checked up for certain things. But pre previous to that, people, if you feel fine, you don't think about going and doing anything. When my mate died um, in my tr fitness class, I, I would have about 140 to 70 year old, predominantly male, you know, fit guys that work out in my classes weekly, month, like, you know, like a couple of times a week on a regular basis. So I said to all those guys, listen, you've got three months to go to a doctor, get a referral, go to a cardiologist and get checked up. And we're talking about people that look as fit as me or fitter around that sort of level. Don't smoke, don't drink much, don't do drugs. They've got a well-balanced diet, well-balanced lifestyle. Um, and you would think that they would not be at risk. Now, the 100 went and got checked up, did all the things I meant to do. And 12, I said to them, you know, come back and make sure you've done it. You've got 12 weeks to do it. Five guys out of that 100 had to go and get an operation, have stents put in to their heart. They had blockages. They didn't know it. They felt fine. They thought everything. One was 39 years of age. He had two stents put in. And of the 100, 20 of them had to go on medication for blood thinning and the like because they had um, stats that showed that they were um, at a high level of risk. So this is out of 100 people that were fit and healthy. So, you know, the kicker in all this one is just know more about your body and don't get to a stage where something could go wrong when you could do something prior to that, yeah. So just yesterday, um, news came out that there is a, uh, and I quote, a significant association between cardiac arrest from exposure to fine particles now this is due to the air pollution from the recent bushfires. Mm, I heard that. Uh, so hopefully this could have a positive impact on the Heart 180 awareness campaign. What, what would your yeah. thoughts be around that? I, 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 I really haven't given it a lot of thought other than just, when, when I heard that yesterday, I, I literally thought, well, I just laughed to myself thinking, really? So we can, this could be worse again, you know, with the pollution and all the fires and, you know, we're talking about, 
we've already got the biggest killer in the country. Um, you know, that, could the numbers go up based on the fact that if you're breathing in pollution, um, you know, that could affect the electrical pathways of your brain to your heart and cause more concern. So, I mean, it goes back to, again, you know, get a DFib, learn how to use it, learn how to do some CPR and get checked up. So we're not, we're not changing the message that I've already said to you. It just goes and sets off an alarm to say that this is a bigger problem than, uh, than, than we first thought. You know, when people start realising that, you know, that, that the, you know, you can take the three biggest cancer killers, put it into a, a bucket, and it still doesn't hit the numbers that we're talking about with this. And this is preventable. And this one's a two grand solution. And do, do my online course for 15 to 20 minutes and you'll be ready to go. Like, it's fine. You just, you know, you literally could save, someone could save you in your house or, or your work, or you could save someone else. So it's, it's, it's not a really hard message to understand at all. Yeah. And where can people go for more information, Guy? Well, just go to my website. It's all there. And then we, we've got people all around the country that, uh, that can, can help you with anything. So, yeah, well, I've been fortunate with, with this journey that um, I get approached every week by people that have been touched by cardiac arrest. Um, good, bad, you know, all the stories are different. But in saying that, they all want to help. So we've got people all around the country that, um, that help distribute defibrillators, train people up. Uh, I had a guy uh, started this week that, from Adelaide that was a magician who was on stage doing a performance in front of 250 people last year had a sudden cardiac arrest and died on stage. Same story as the Wiggles. Nurse came out, started CPR. It was at a school, actually, a secondary school. They had a defib in the foyer, ran it out, got it on him and got him back. So he contacted me at the start of the week saying, I listened to a podcast you did. I want to help. How can I, how can I help? How can I get more defibs out there? How can I educate people? So come to the website, have a look, you know, check out what we're doing and just contact us and we'll come back to you, yeah. And the website is? Uh, it's uh, heart180, so H-E-A-R-T, the number 180.com.au. Perfect. Fantastic. Guy, I've really enjoyed talking uh, with you today and I really hope that we can help, Ray. Good on you, I appreciate it, good on you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. You can stream all our original podcasts on Spotify, Apple Music and SoundCloud.